if you work out for any length of time, sooner or later, there's going to be there's a huge possibility possibility that you will incur some kind of injury. Uh, it could be something minor, like maybe some tendonitis. Other people experience, particularly beginners, experience extreme muscle soreness, known as delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS. A lot of these things could be so painful as to be almost incapacitating, where the pain is so great you don't even want to work out because it's just too much. Uh, so what a lot of people do is to alleviate the pain, they seek the use or use of analgesic drugs. Analgesics is a term meaning painkilling. Uh, uh, typical or probably the most famous analgesic drug is aspirin. Uh, interesting thing about aspirin is it was around for 100 years, believe, believe it or not. It was around. It was discovered by uh, scientists working for the Bayer Company, B-A-Y-E-R, back in Germany over 100 years ago, uh, more like 120 years ago, and he just happened to accidentally discover it. He was working with a, a natural compound found in plants called salicyclic acid, and he added an acetyl group. It became acetyl salicyclic acid, and that is aspirin. And he, and he discovered the analgesic properties. Uh, they knew that aspirin worked, but nobody really knew how until about 100 years later. And uh, it turns out that aspirin, how aspirin works, is the same way that a lot of other another category of well aspirin is in this category of drugs the category of drugs i'm referring to is called nasads which stands for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs now the word non-steroidal doesn't refer to anabolic steroids it refers to natural steroid compounds like cortisol which in drug form is a potent anti-inflammatory so the purpose of nasads uh, again, two examples, two typical examples are aspirin, and the other one it would be a very common one is ibuprofen, sold as Advil and other names. Uh, these are uh, these are basically analgesic drugs, uh, and they work by reducing inflammation, which in turn reduces pain. Now, I said earlier that uh, nobody really knew how aspirin, which was the forerunner of all the other NASADs. Nobody knew how it worked until, you know, 100 years after it was discovered. Well, it turns out that aspirin and the NASADs, they work by inhibiting enzymes called cyclooxygenases. There's two main ones, and they're abbreviated. They're called COX-1, COX-1, and COX-2, COX-1 and 2. Some NASADs, most of them actually like ibuprofen, work by inhibiting both types of COX enzymes. Some of them are more selective, like Cerebrex only inhibits, I believe it's the, uh, I believe it's, it inhibits only COX-1, or I might have that backwards. Maybe, in, I don't know if it inhibits COX-1 alone or COX-2, but it's more selective. But the point is, these drugs work, including aspirin, they work by inhibiting this enzyme called COX-1 and COX-2, cyclooxygenase. I'm not going to say cyclooxygenase. It's too hard to pronounce. I'm just going to call them COX enzymes, COX. They, these drugs work by inhibiting the COX enzymes. Now, what do the COX enzymes do? Well, your body produces these fat-like compounds called eicosanoids. Some of them are called prostaglandins because they were originally discovered in the prostate gland. Now, prostaglandins, there's quite a few of them. They could have varying effects. Some of them are anti-inflammatory. 
but a lot of them are very pro-inflammatory. Most of the pain you feel from any source usually comes from, as a result of an abundance of release of both uh, inflammatory prostaglandins and also inflammatory cytokines, which are released from uh, immune cells like white blood cells. These are the actual causes of pain. So again, they develop these drugs, these NASADs, to inhibit this enzyme. Now, I should also tell you that uh, the, the uh, prostaglandins that the NASAD drugs actually work on are themselves manufactured from an omega-6 fatty acid called arachidonic acid. Arachidonic acid. Arachidonic acid is uh, actually, it's an essential amino acid. I'm not sorry, essential fatty acid, I should say. But they, it, it isn't listed as an essential fatty acid because, in other words, arachidonic acid is the is the uh, is the precursor to many many prostaglandins produced in the body. Most of them being pro-inflammatory, but uh, the uh, arachidonic acid itself is produced from a omega-6 fatty acid that is listed as essential called linoleic acid. So the thinking is that if you ingest enough linoleic acid, which is not difficult to do, it's much easier to get linoleic acid. Uh, from your diet, uh, this omega-6 fatty acid, than it is, for example, omega-3, because omega-3, uh, such as um, uh, EPA and DHA, they're found in a much, much they're found in much fewer foods compared to omega-6. Omega-6 is found in most protein foods, found in certain types of carbohydrates. It's all over the place. Most people get way too much omega-6, and a lot of people think that's why a lot of people walk around with inflammatory conditions, pain in their body, because they're over-ingesting omega-6s in relation to omega-3. And the omega-3, such as that found in fish oil and fatty fish, uh, are anti-inflammatory. Uh, they, they work by, uh, basically, it's, uh, the, the icosanoids that they interact with, uh, the type of uh, prostaglandins they produce, uh, I'm talking about the omega-3, are kind of like neutral meaning they don't cause pain, unlike the omega-6s. And uh, also the omega-3s produce a direct anti-inflammatory compound called resolvent. I'm not going to get into all the biochemistry because that's not the topic of this video. The, the main topic of this video is the controversy about using uh, anti-inflammatory drugs such as NASADs to treat muscle soreness, muscle pain, because a couple of studies came out around 2002-2003 which showed that these particular drugs, the NASADs like ibuprofen and even aspirin, uh, would actually inhibit muscle gains. Uh, they actually block muscle protein synthesis, which is a cornerstone of muscle gains, muscle hypertrophy. Now, why would these drugs block muscle hypertrophy? Because it turns out certain prostaglandins and actually they are inflammatory such as prostaglandin F2A it's called uh, is involved uh, briefly in the muscle anabolic process after you work out after you work out there's a brief period of increased inflammation localized inflammation in the muscle and this localized inflammation which is induced by these locally produced prostaglandins like F2A they stimulate, they have anabolic signaling effects, meaning they stimulate anabolic processes 
such as increased muscle protein synthesis, which results in increased muscle growth or hypertrophy. But when you take a drug like NASAD, this is what the early studies show, because it inhibits the cyclooxygenase enzymes, which convert arachidonic acid into uh, prostaglandins like F2A, it basically blocks it. It throws a monkey wrench in the anabolic process that occurs after the muscle. Now, now remember, you want to have a brief period of inflammation after training because it favors increased muscle growth and strength. However, if that inflammation lasts too long, it reverses, and now the excess inflammation becomes catabolic. It, it actually helps to break down your muscle. And there's, and there's an interesting effect related to that, which I'll talk about in a minute. But anyway, this, these early studies came out, and they, they were human studies. And at first they started with animals, as usual. Then they went to human subjects. And they found that taking uh, anywhere, uh, uh, particularly larger amounts, like 800 milligrams of ibuprofen or more, it seemed to definitely interfere. It had a blunting effect on muscle protein synthesis. However, about 10, 12 years later, the same researchers that came out with that original study showing an inhibition of muscle protein synthesis induced by NASADs found that no, they, they used the same young subjects. These guys were like 24 years of age. They're involved in resistance exercise. And they found that uh, taking a moderate dose of something like ibuprofen, but a moderate dose being like 400 milligrams, did not interfere with muscle hypertrophy. But the bad part is it also didn't seem to increase muscle recovery. In other words, it, it didn't have any effect on reducing muscle soreness or muscle, uh, it reduced muscle pain to a certain extent, but it had no effect on increasing muscle recovery or, or lessening the degree of muscle soreness that could be experienced after a workout that damages muscle fibers. So, uh, you know, but here's an interesting, an interesting thing happened is that, uh, they then they wanted to test the effects of NASADs on older people. I'm talking about people that are over 40 who are involved in resistance exercise, weight training, and the researchers expected the same result. They figured that it, it would probably be even worse for older people because older people, when you get over 40, most people know it's harder to build muscle when you're 40 or 50 or 60 than it is when you're 20 or 30. It's just that's the way it is. So the researchers said, well, when we give these NASADs to older people, they're going to have a horrendous effect. I'm talking about older people involved in weight training. It's probably going to wipe out any gains at all. To their great surprise, however, <laughs> when they gave the NASADs the same doses to older people that were given to young people, the older people gain, made 50% greater gains in muscle size and strength after taking the NASADs. How is that possible? Very simple. Older, as you get older, your body increases the re release of, remember I, earlier I mentioned inflammatory cytokines. Uh, for example, one of them is called interleukin-6. There's another one called TGF-1, uh, tissue, growth, tissue growth factor 1, I believe it's called. These things are inflammatory. And, and what they do is they, they cause a systemic inflammation. It's not something that you feel. It's not like having a localized inflammation where you can feel pain like if you hurt your hand or something like that or your elbow. Systemic inflammation is very subtle. 
It's throughout the body. You don't feel it, but it's still causing a lot of damage. In fact, systemic inflammation, they think, is one of the underlying causes of most major degenerative diseases, including cancer, cardiovascular disease, and brain degeneration. But in relation to muscle growth, systemic inflammation favors a catabolic condition. In other words, when you're in prolonged systemic inflammation, your muscles tend to break down much faster, and it can lead to a condition called sarcopenia, which is a uh, fancy word meaning loss of muscle, but it, it, it's usually associated with greater age. In other words, if you're over 40, usually it starts a later than that, maybe 50 or 60, People who don't exercise will go directly into sarcopenia, especially if they don't do resistance exercise, where their muscles will gradually shrink. And, to the, and by the time they're, let's say, 70, 75, they will have lost all their mobility. They will be so frail. Get this. They can't even feed themselves. That's how weak they can't even feed themselves. And they have to be put in like nursing homes or taken care of. And, and people who have uh, sarcopenia to that extent... Uh, you, it's usually a harbinger for imminent uh, mor mor morbidity or mortality, meaning that they're dead within six months to a year. So it's a very serious thing. Uh, in fact, recent studies show that resistance exercise actually helps to prevent premature morbidity, premature death. <laughs> I don't want to get off topic, but what that means is that anybody who wants to live a long, longer life, you better start doing some resistance exercise or, or you will shorten your life. But getting back to these older people, the, the reason they gained 50% strength and muscle size after taking NYSADs was because the drugs did lower systemic inflammation. And by lowering systemic inflammation in the older people, it opened the door to, it made them more anabolic. In other words, they had a greater rate of protein synthesis. So when they worked out with weights, they gained muscle size. Just the opposite of what happened in the younger people. So uh, now, what are the what, you know the, the the research on the effect of NASADs has gone back and forth. Some studies show that it, it still causes it inhibits muscle growth. Other studies found no such effect. But you want to like take it easy with these drugs anyway because of the side effects that are associated with them, particularly if you use them all the time. NASADs, for example, are very, very hard in the gastrointestinal lining. They can cause the breakdown of the gastrointestinal lining. Uh, they, can, uh, uh, they affect the kidneys very badly. They cause the uh, excess excretion of sodium and water, which sounds like a kind of a diuretic effect, but in truth, it's very damaging to the body. And it can actually lead to kidney disease, advanced kidney disease. Uh, a couple of bodybuilders uh, told me over the years that they, who, who actually developed kidney disease, they felt it was some, uh, these guys had chronic pain and they took NASADs every day. Some of these guys were taking 12 to 15 uh, uh, ibuprofen a day and, it, and basically it destroyed the kidneys. Now, the reason why NASADs. Uh, hurt your gastrointestinal tract is because you have a lining of mucus that protects your gastrointestinal tract and prostaglandins are needed to make this protective mucus. So if you take the, uh, ant the NASADs, it blocks the prostaglandins that are needed to, ha to uh, produce this protective mucus lining of the gastrointestinal tract and you get all kinds of problems down in the uh, and your gut because of that, uh, and uh, so you know they 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 have side effects, 
But an interesting thing that happened years ago, uh, this is kind of a, uh, you want to call this a sidebar to the story here. Uh, back in the early 80s, a lot of the bodybuilders were, were using uh, they, this information I just gave you about the possible negative effects of NASADs on muscle growth wasn't known. And a lot of guys who train hard back then and today, if you train hard, especially heavy all the time, you are going to experience joint and muscle pain. It's inevitable. I don't care how you train. If you train heavy and hard all the time, you will experience joint and muscle pain. So what they did is they chronically used these these uh, NASATs and aspirin also. Uh, and then somebody came along, I don't know exactly who, and they came and they suggested that rather than use these drugs, because uh, even back then, NASADs were known to cause these side effects I mentioned earlier, meaning gastrointestinal distress. They were known to be hard on the liver and kidneys and all that. So somebody came up with the idea of using a certain type of injectable drug. It was called Nubane. Uh, and the idea behind Nubane, well, there was twofold. First, it was a powerful painkiller because it interacted with certain opioid receptors in the brain. Uh, you have opioid receptors, there's different kinds. The, the thought behind Nubane was it interacted with the opiate receptors that controlled pain, meaning it reduced pain, but it didn't act to interact with the other opioid receptors that made you become addicted to stuff like opium or morphine. In other words, it, uh, they were saying that, that uh, Nubane had a pain-killing effect, but it would not be addictive. And not only that, because it reduced the pain so powerfully, it allowed you to train harder. In other words, you could train with much more intensity, and that was the great attraction. Even more than the pain-killing effect, that was the great attraction for a lot of the top bodybuilders. I'm talking pro bodybuilders, elite bodybuilders. Back in the 80s, a lot of them got on Nubane thinking it wouldn't be addictive, but it would reduce pain to the extent they could train their head off and not feel any pain, go past the pain barrier. And that, of course, would promote great muscle growth. What they didn't know, unfortunately, the person that gave them this information, uh, I think I know who it was, but he's deceased. I don't want to mention his name. There's no point in doing that. But what they he didn't know and what he didn't tell the bodybuilders was, unfortunately, with prolonged use, Nubane was highly addictive. And these people became addicted to Nubane to, certain, to, to the extent that some of them had to go in to drug re, drug addiction rehab pro, programs, including, and again, I'm not going to mention names, I'm not going to embarrass people, some of them were the preeminent bodybuilders of the 80s, and you guys know who these people are, but I'm not going to mention names, they became very heavily addicted to Nubane. Uh, and then, of course, uh, new, the use of Nubane, I'm sure some people still use it, it kind of died out when people realized just how addictive it really is. The idea that it was not addictive turned out to be just complete bullshit. It is an addictive drug. Uh, of course, now, so the bottom line, all right, let's sum it up. Should you take uh, drugs like ibuprofen if you, uh, or even aspirin uh, in proximity to your workouts? Will it interfere with muscle gains? Well, again, some of the studies show that if you take lower doses, like 400 milligrams, it's not going to interfere with muscle hypertrophy. That's what some of the latest studies show. Uh, but if you're not sure, you know, because like I said, you know, these studies go back and forth. 
I mean, that's the way science is. One study will come out saying that, oh, uh, nice NASADs and ibuprofen, they have no effect on muscle hypertrophy. They don't cause any interference. Then two months later, another study will come out by another group of researchers, and, and they'll come to an opposite conclusion. Oh, they do interfere with muscle hypertrophy. It goes back and forth like a ping pong ball. So if you want to uh, stay safe, what the, what you want to do is if you have to if you feel the need to use any kind of pain killing drug like NASADs, wait f- at least five hours after the workout. You know, I mean, <laughs> maybe if you're in pain, it, it's tough to do, but wait five hours, and by that time, that the the remember I talked about the localized inflammation that you need for muscle growth in the muscle after the workout. By that time, all the inflammation you need will be done with. And any inflammation that lasts after that will be related to pain. So if you wait five hours, you'll be getting rid of the pain effect of these uh, prostaglandins without interfering with the muscle growth. So that's the answer. If you want to, if you feel the need to use ibuprofen, also I would strongly suggest though, don't take them like you take a vitamin pill. In other words, don't be like some of the bodybuilders I mentioned earlier, where they take them like chronically just for the. You know, just because they have, let's say, shoulder pain or elbow pain or knee pain, you know, they feel like they want to take it every day to allow them to train. That's not a good idea because these drugs do have side effects. They are hard on the liver. They're hard on the kidneys. And, you know, some of them can actually are related to cardiovascular disease. So, you know, don't look at them as benign drugs that you can take chronically just to ease pain. Only use them when you really need to use them. As an example, I have a bottle of ibuprofen. I keep it around. I don't use I <laughs> a bottle of I. I have a. It's a prescription strength ibuprofen that I have, and I, I'm, I'm not lying to you. I'm looking at you when I tell you. I I'm lucky if I use this maybe three times a year. The only time I use it is when I have a super severe headache that I just can't get rid of. That's when I'll pop one, and it it works very well. Within two hours, the headache's gone. But I don't use it at any other time because of the side effects I mentioned earlier. But but also because another thing I did mention is when you use non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, they can cause an imbalance of organisms in the intestinal microbiome, which I've mentioned in previous videos. That's the uh, population of uh, diverse bacteria, fungi, other organisms that reside in the colon that have tremendous health benefits, tremendous health benefits. I mean, there's constant research coming out about them. I've written about the intestinal microbiome in my Applied Metabolics, but I'm going to write about it again because there's always new emerging... Re- I mean, what the, what this stuff does is absolutely astounding. I mean, it's it's like takes over your whole body. They didn't know this before. In the past, they thought the intestinal microbiome, it, you know, the, the bacteria produced a couple of vitamins, vitamin K, a couple of B complex. They had no idea that it, it did so many things. A lot of this has to do with what they call short chain fatty acids. Not going to get into it here, but suffice to say, it's very important to maintain the health of your intestinal microbiome. And when you take NASADs chronically, it actually causes a imbalance, what's called a dysbiosis. And that's another reason why I would never, ever use NASADs on a chronic basis like some guys do and some women where they just pop it every day because they have elbow pain. You don't want to do that because it, it will mess you up. Even low doses chronically, they'll, it'll mess you up. So that's about it uh, for uh, uh, you know painkillers and, and training. Uh, you know, Again, use them only when you have to. 
If you want more information on exercise, nutrition, anti-aging research you can use today, uh, uh, exercise science, uh, hormonal therapy, ergogenic aids, effective fat loss techniques, uh, women's health and fitness, many, many topics. Nobody covers as many topics as I do in my Applied Metabolics publication. www.appliedmetabolics.com uh, it's 30 to 40, 30, well, 30, 40, 50 pages a month. Comes out every month on the 1st. Uh, there's no ads. There's no BS. Solid information based on current research. I keep biting my tongue. It hurts like hell. <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, it's and I'm not taking growth hormone. Anyway, but people who know about growth hormone understand that joke. But uh, it comes out every month, and I guarantee you'll learn something. Uh, and uh, it, it's, uh, like I say, it covers a, a bunch of material. And besides the research, it also includes my 60 years of experience, which you can't be taught in any school. No, I don't care if you have 300 PhDs after your name. This is stuff you don't learn at school that you have to learn on a practical level, which I've done over six decades. That's included in Applied Metabolics. So subscribe today. When you subscribe, I'll send you an invitation to join my private Applied Metabolics Facebook page where each day I post new information on exercise, nutrition, and general medicine. I also have an email portal on my Applied Metabolics webpage where current subscribers only can send me short questions, something they might have read in Applied Metabolics, or anything that comes to mind as long as it's a short question, and I will answer that as a bonus to their subscription because I appreciate the support of my work. I will answer the short question only from subscribers, though. I don't answer unsolicited questions. So, uh, and, you know, and that's about it, really. I mean, um, <laughs> if you want to if you want to have the best friend you'll ever have, go to your local shelter, adopt a dog. You know, doing this video is giving me a headache. I think I'm going to have to take some ibuprofen. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, take care.